we are looking at um, our cultural values. I don't know whether you remember it. I'll remind you in a minute. You know, I've, I've been praying for some weeks and, uh, about speaking today. And, and surprise, surprise, you might not be that surprised to know that the subject of welcome is, is really on my heart. So let me see if I can... So these are our cultural values. Caring, welcoming, apostolic, diverse, gracious, prophetic. Those are the values that we would like to see. We want the church to, to, um, to live out. And, um, you know, for me, I've spent a couple of weeks uh, praying about today. And my heart really, really warmed to that subject of welcoming. Uh, because we have a welcoming God, don't we? We have a welcoming God. And, and what's really interesting is that the verse that has really stuck in my heart for the past couple of weeks is this one. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Now, we had uh, the prophetic word last week, that somebody brought it. And I, my ears pricked up, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. And um, I, Andy and I have not colluded, I can assure you. And, um, and to hear that, to hear this scripture three times in the last two weeks has got to, has got to make us stand up and just give ear to God and think, Lord, what are you trying to say to us? And now I'm going to look at it from a different perspective, from the subject of welcoming. But let's just read it. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Now, I go out onto the streets of Basingstoke once a month, and I know this verse has been used to share with many, many people who don't know Jesus. And, but as you probably know, if you've been in the church for a long time, this verse is not speaking to um, people who don't know Jesus. It's speaking to a church. It's speaking to a church. It's speaking to a church that had become more involved in raising their own finance and, and money, their own wealth, a very wealthy church, a very wealthy church, a very well-dressed church, a very healthy church. But they said to themselves, we have need of nothing. We have need of nothing. We have everything that we need. And Jesus speaks to them in Revelation about how actually they need him so much more. And then it comes on to Revelation 3.20 where it says, actually, I'm outside the church, and I'm knocking. Now, you know, I, I'm not drawing that comparison with us, necessarily. Um, all I'm saying is that this verse spoke to me about the welcome of God, because the welcome of God comes to us. This is the, the God of heaven standing at the door, 
in his church and knocking. And it, to me, that just spoke of God's heart of welcoming and God's heart of love. He doesn't say, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, they can come into my home and eat with me. He says, I will come in and eat with him and him with me. We don't enter in into, into his place, even though one day we will. We'll all be there eating the feast with the lamb, as it speaks of in Revelation 21. He wants to come in and eat with us. And that, to me, represents God's welcome. That he doesn't wait for us to find... If you think you found God, I'm sorry to say this, he found you. Yeah, he found you. Each and every one of you, he found you. He loves you. He loves you with such a passion that he's not willing to stay in heaven. He, wants to, he came down to be and find each one of us. So he doesn't say, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we can have a chat about things. You know, we can just talk. He says, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. He wants to be with us in the everyday. I mean, how many times do you sit down for a meal? Every day, the, the body needs sustenance. The mundane. Margie would say that I'm the better cook for her because she spent years cooking for the kids and got totally fed up with it. You know, and, and so she doesn't necessarily... I better be careful what I'm saying now. <laughs> but she's on sabbatical still. And um, nobody will tell her, will you? <laughs> but... She'd say that I'm the better cook because she spent all of those years cooking every day and got a bit fed up with it. Where I, I like to take a bit of time to do a recipe and, you know, make something and create something. You never thought that you'd see that side of me, did you? Yeah, yeah, amazing. But who knew? But God wants to be with us in the mundane, in the everyday part of life. And there's something about eating together. There's something about eating together, which I'll come on to. You know, in Mark 1, Mark says, uh, or John 1, sorry, it says, uh, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. He made his dwelling. He's, he lives amongst us. He wants to live with you. And so, you know, my first point, I suppose, is that we have a faith that is not about jumping through hoops. We don't have to hit standards. We don't have to uh, comply with rules and regulations. We receive him, and somehow he, he is in us, and we are in him. Now, I don't know about you, but if Jesus came to your house and walked up to your front door and started knocking, what would you do? You know, if you looked through the keyhole and you saw 
Jesus standing outside your door wanting to come into your house and live with you. I don't know about you, but I'd, I'd be a bit kind of terrified. I'd run around the house kind of, Margie, this place is a state. You know, do we need to tidy up? Is there anything that you can shove under the carpet like you see? You know, is it, what's Jesus going to think? And he'd probably come into the house and he'd say, well, you, 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 can, you can bring that out from underneath the carpet. I know it's there. <laughs> he'd, he'd, go in, he'd go into every room and he'd say, right, okay, how about, how about we start with this room? And, and he'd bring life and he'd bring the presence of God. You know, for in biblical times, to eat with somebody was seen as the highest form of acceptance. The highest form of acceptance. That's why Jesus got slated for eating with tax collectors and prostitutes and sinners. Because um, the Pharisees wouldn't go a million miles within the, with these, these people. They wouldn't go anywhere near them. And they were horrified because to them that represented such a contamination of their belief. But Jesus just went on in because he loves them. And, and that is the welcome that he offers to each one of us. So I've been on a bit of a journey because um, when, when that verse gripped me, that it says, I will come in and eat with him and he with me, that's saying that Jesus accepts us, he accepts each one of us on an equal footing. He will eat with us and us with them. It's, it's, a, it's an equal kind of footing. And it took me on a journey over all the meals that Jesus ate in the New Testament, in, in the Gospels. And if you look at all the meals that Jesus had in the Gospels, it is absolutely amazing at what happens. I mean, you only have to look at the Gospel of John, where it starts with a wedding, where Jesus turns 150 gallons of water into wine, I mean, that's a thousand bottles. A thousand, I mean, it's just under a thousand bottles. But can you imagine if we stacked up a thousand bottles in here and had to work our way through them? <laughs> it would take a long time. Not that I'd, I'd, I'd want to do that, honestly. So, you know, don't, get, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not encouraging drinking. But that shows you the extravagance of Jesus, the extravagance. So that's the beginning of the Gospel of John. The end of the Gospel of John ends with a beach party. He gets his disciples together after the resurrection and he shares a fish supper with them. They don't have the chips, but it's like fish and chips on the side of the, of the river uh, with as, as much you know, fish as you can ever, ever eat. 
And that, so it starts with a, a wedding and ends with a party. And you look through uh, other, um, the Gospels, and you see Jesus as the host. You see Jesus as a host. He sits down on the side of a mountain, takes loaves and fish, he breaks them, he gives thanks for them, and then hands them out to his disciples, and they feed 5,000 men, plus women and children. And then he does it again later in the Gospels, and he feeds 4,000 women and men. And they are these, all of these people come to the table of Christ, where he feeds them, and there is no, and in and and, and both of those occasions, in Matthew 14 and 15, it says, they all ate and were satisfied, and then there's seven baskets left over, or 12 <laughs> baskets left over. The abundance of our God, that he welcomes all of these people in to his table. There is no limit to the people that he will not welcome in to him. I think I've gone ahead of my slides. So what did he do when he sent out his disciples? Jesus said to them, when you enter a house, First say, peace to this house. And I've picked out a few of the bits. He says, stay in that house, eating and drinking. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So Jesus told his disciples to do exactly what he had been doing. To go into people's houses, to go out to them, to take the presence of God with them, and to stay, to fellowship with them. This is the welcome of God. He comes to us, he receives us, he accepts us, he transforms us into his likeness. When you sit down to a meal with somebody, you really do get to know them. You get to know um, much, much more about them. You get to know about their customs, their background. You get to fellowship with them. I must have told this story before, so stop me if I'm going to bore you. But some time ago, we had some Hong Kongers round to our house. And... Um, and basically, I cooked them this amazing roast. I mean, I say it was amazing roast. I mean, it, I, 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 I thought it was, the, it was brilliant. Everything. Everything. I thought, we're going to have a great roast here. Like leg of lamb with rosemary on it and all the trimmings. And, and I laid it all out before them. And the table was covered. And, um, and they're not, they're, they're kind of, picking up one or two little bits and pieces here and there. I'm thinking, what's wrong? I've, I've, I've made this most amazing meal, and you're just, they've got like one potato on their plate. And, you know, I was ready to pile it all onto mine, you know, and you, 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 you 
Brits, we don't want to hold back when it comes to roast, do we? Get all the roast potatoes, the carrots, the <coughs> broccoli, the sweet corn, all of it. Loads of gravy. And there they are with a few little bits and pieces on their plate. And I'm thinking, what on earth is going on? And suddenly one of them pipes up to me and he says to me, Robin, in our culture, we don't start eating until the host sits down. Will you please sit down? <laughs> so, uh, you know, so I sat down quickly and then they all dived in and it was like demolished. But it, it showed me that, that, you know, that the cultures that we encounter are different. And, and just, and so, but I'd never have learned that if I hadn't have sat down with them. And we had the most amazing time together. And even so, um, one of the families um, contacted us about a week or so ago, and they wanted to come back and see us. We've only ever met them once or twice, and, but the welcome we'd extended to them, they, 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 they feel that welcome. How amazing is that? That they've become friends after one meal, or, you know, well, one and a bit. So it's, so that's, um, you know, his, that's, and that's the welcome that God uh, extends to us. There's something about eating and drinking together. And throughout the Bible, if you look at all of the stories, the amazing things happen when we eat and drink together and God is invited in. That's why um, Alpha works, for example. You know, people sit down and eat together and they talk about the Lord. They fellowship together. It's so important that lives are transformed as we sit down together and eat together. Um, the Holy Spirit is there and God is there. You know, when um, the Apollo closed, I'll show a picture, um, we had a pretty much of a banquet at Karen's. I don't know whether, is Karen here? Oh, right, okay. Oh, that's okay. I can talk about her. She's not here. <laughs> Another one that will get me into trouble. Um, but she opened a home uh, when the asylum seekers were leaving the Apollo Hotel. And we must have had about 30, uh, 15 or so, 15 to 20 asylum seekers. And, um, and each of these people have their own story. Now, I'm not going to get into the politics of who's gonna, who can stay, who can't stay. That's not for me to decide. All I want them to know is that they are welcome, that they feel the welcome of God, because quite a number of them, and it's not just them, but there's quite a number of them that are Christians and are, are fleeing persecution because of their faith. And there are others that, that you know, have made life choices that mean that, that if they go back to their home nation, they're, they're not going to last that long. And now I don't believe anybody should face that sort of persecution. And, and we wanted to extend the, the love of God to them. And these people, these men uh, and women, have experienced the love of God through that 
uh, uh, that time. There we go. Um, oh, just, when, uh, just, just going back for a second. I must have forgotten to put my smiley face on in. I don't know whether you can see that in the background. Um, I was looking ever so glum. I think the camera caught me off. off, off but um, that, that's a better one. I put my smile on. And um, you know that these people, for them to know and to feel the welcome of God is absolutely amazing. Yesterday, we had the best part of 30 Hong Kongers um, round at Margaret's house. Um, I'm, I've seen Margaret. She's there. I won't talk about Margaret, honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had the most amazing time. It was a wonderful time of fellowship. And again, these people who've who might look on the outside that they've got it all together, um, but they've come from a nation that is losing its identity. And you scratch underneath the surface, and all of them feel that pain. And for them to come here and to be able to uh, just... I mean, the food was just great. I mean, that is a, it's a dream, isn't it? Um, just to enjoy the food together. Um, and it's, but just as an aside, some of it's just a bit weird. Sorry, Danny, Kathy, you know, I mean, some of it, some of it, we're just, we're just not used to it. Like the jellies and the, 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 the eggs that they marinade. I mean, that's, we're just, it's just, it's different. But it brings such a richness to us. I mean, I love the Korean barbecue. Oh, that's, oh. I'd be the size of a house if I just had all of this. But anyway, coming back to the, to the welcome of God, that is the welcome that we want. It's not just walking up to somebody and saying hello. Jesus doesn't do that for us. He wants to come in and eat with us in the mundane, in the everyday. He wants to walk with us. He wants to be with us. That's what he's talking about when he says, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. He wants to come in and live with us, that fellowship, to walk with us so that every mealtime when we're going through all of the difficult things that we face, he's there right with us. And that's what I would love for us to see. Uh, for those people around us, not just for strangers, but for us too. For us to, to uh, extend more of a welcome to one another, to eat together, to fellowship together. You know, the first verse is, I stand at the door and knock. But there's one meal in the Bible where... I kind of think the disciples missed it a little bit. And that was um, in Luke 24, where we have two disciples walking away from Jerusalem after Jesus has been resurrected. They're walking on the road to Emmaus. You know the story. Now, I've walked on this part of this road, but it's about seven miles. So... 
these two disciples walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus for two and a half to three and a half hours. And they heard him speak, heard him, um, they said, are you the only one that doesn't know about Jesus of Nazareth? And they're talking to Jesus of Nazareth about himself, I mean. And they didn't recognize him. And it was only as they were coming towards Emmaus, having walked for, you know, three hours, let's say, and heard all that he had to say, that Jesus pretended or would have walked on ahead. And they say, no, they invite him in. They invite him in. And suddenly, when they sit down together, again, in this disciple's house, Jesus becomes the host. He's the one that picks up the bread, breaks it, gives thanks, and gives it to the disciple, the two disciples, clear paths and one other, and suddenly their eyes are opened, again at a meal. So, folks, we can miss it. We can hear God speaking to us. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's, it's the meal that made the difference. But maybe it was that they invited Jesus in. And in inviting him in, in, him in and of course, that breaking of bread um, gives, um, leads on to the, the, the greatest meal in terms of breaking of bread and the bread and the wine that we have at the Last Supper. And again, Jesus says to his disciples, how are we doing for time? Jesus says to his disciples, I eagerly desired to share this with you. I eagerly. Jesus loves his food. Uh, doesn't that, doesn't that, isn't that wonderful? It just speaks wonders. He loves his food. And he loves to share it with us. And, and so just that inviting him in. Just think what would happen if those two disciples had decided, come on, clear pass, we've got to get in, our wives are waiting. You know, thanks, see ya. And Jesus would have carried on on his way. They'd have never, never, well, they may, I mean, he might have been gracious to them. I'm sure he would have been. But they may have never known who they were talking to. They'd have just felt that, our hearts burning. But in, in inviting him in, they were changed. So can I encourage everyone here, as I draw to a close, extending that welcome means that we, we, it's not just about saying hi to people. It's about opening our homes, opening our, that welcome, that, uh, that, so that we, we actually, we're not just colleagues, we're family. We eat together, we fellowship together. We invite Jesus in to our meals. He's standing there knocking and he'll come in and eat with us and us with him. That's a promise. And, um, and you only have to look at 
um, in Revelation 21, verse 3, it, it, the Bible ends with this, these verses, not quite ending, but it says, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. That's his whole raison d'etre. That's his whole destiny of where we are going. He wants to dwell with us. So the Gospel of John got it right when Jesus came down and made his dwelling with us. Well, the, the whole Godhead wants to do that. And that welcome is there for us. But we, I'd love us to extend that welcome to others. And just going back as I close, if we go back to the Laodicean church in Revelation 3.21, Jesus says to them, who've got everything that they needed, all the money, all the wealth, all the beautiful clothes, all the medicines that they needed, he says, after having said, I stand at the door and knock, he says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. To him who overcomes... I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. More pictures. Yeah. Spiritual formation happens when we open up our lives, we invite Jesus in, we open up our homes, and we find God in the everyday, in the, in the mundane, uh, if you're digging holes or if you're you know, out on the allotment or out doing the washing up, every day, sitting down to, with one another, inviting Jesus in.